Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante. The Yankees got coal in their rotation and coal in their stocking on Christmas. As between shows, they lost out on Yoshinobu Yamamoto to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Thomas Carinante is wearing a Brooklyn Dodgers hat today to be a jerk-off. Unclear why, but the Yankees did not get Yamamoto, and we've learned in the aftermath that they were never going to get Yamamoto. You might have assumed the man wanted to be a Dodger for life based on the way things played out, and everything we've learned since then indicates just as much, meaning the Yankees either got played or are stupid or knew all along that they never really had a shot and tried pretty hard to convince a man who wanted to join the Dodgers to join someone else for reasons. They front-loaded their offer. They gave him the opt-outs. They gave him the highest AAV. They certainly put together an enticing package, but the Mets made the higher bid by a little bit. He took the Mets' bid right to the Dodgers. The Dodgers matched it immediately. Yamamoto said yesterday he always wanted to be a Dodger and probably would have been there with or without Shohei Otani, but Otani was the Dodgers' focus. Otani deferring his money made it possible for both players to play there. Without Otani doing that, I'm not sure if the Dodgers would have been able to afford both, but I know all things equal, Yamamoto would have rather gone to the Dodgers. If Otani doesn't make those deferrals, maybe the Dodgers have no room. Maybe they're only able to offer 200 mil. Maybe the Yankees get their man. But once Otani deferred that money, it was over. And in Yamamoto's heart of hearts, He wanted to be a Dodger anyway, so why would you want someone in the Yankees rotation who might face the Dodgers in the World Series and get killed because he prefers the other team? And oh, by the way, Yamamoto's playoff stats in Japan, pretty bad. Regardless, the Yankees need to pivot. They haven't yet. Where are they looking? We rank the options. We break them down. We obviously still have to talk about that. The Yankees have given us the gift of abject silence because theoretically we could have done this show last Friday. It's Thursday, December 28th. They haven't done anything since then, so we will talk about their pitching search. Plus, a trade with the Guardians finally ends the Estevan Floreal era. It was fun while it lasted, but this is the best outcome for both parties. And Isaiah Kiner-Faleva goes to the Blue Jays for a price you wouldn't pay. And don't lie to me and tell me that you would. Folks, find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Drop us a five-star review. If you wouldn't mind, if you've left us a one-star review in the past, maybe go back and make it a five-star inspired by our friend from the last episode who again we shout out that was hilarious and what a way to welcome in the christmas season uh two o'clock eastern is the stream we're on all podcast platforms immediately after mondays and thursdays next monday also happens to be holidays probably won't hear from us but end of week we will be back thomas carinante welcome to the show do you have uh, an offer a sponsor by any chance for this episode i'm not sure i haven't checked in with you i don't know if this is our first sponsorless episode ever do you have something we will always have a sponsor. Um, and we're still in Vermont, everybody. Legal sports betting is coming to the state of Vermont next month. Very soon. couple days. This is the last time you'll be hearing this. So please act on it. 
uh, to get ready, DraftKings, coming to the state, is offering their best sign-up offer for new users. All you have to do is register for DraftKings and use our code, YanksGoYard, very simple, and you will receive $200 in bonus bets on launch day. No deposit is required. The best part of this, you just literally sign up, name, info, whatever else, address, and you get $200 in bonus bets. Don't have to even wager a single dollar. Registering with our code YanksGoYard not only gets you this fantastic bonus, but it also directly supports the podcast. I know we have good friends in Vermont. Come on down. Help out your friends. This offer will not be available once sports betting officially goes live in Vermont. So please take advantage while you can. You have a couple of days left to do this. Remember, the code is YanksGoYard, and you will claim those bets immediately. This offers to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in the state of Vermont. Please always remember to gamble responsibly. Check the episode descriptions for full terms of the offer, but it's very simple, so you don't even have to do that. Um, check out my Brooklyn Dodgers hat. Yeah, I felt like trolling today. Felt like a yeah. good time to troll. Um, it would be nice if the Dodgers were still in Brooklyn. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be great. Imagine the imagine the uh, Subway Series battles without the useless Mets to have to worry about. And shout out to Steve Cohen again, by the way, in the Yamamoto chase. Um, we've I'm been telling to you bad. Yeah, we've been telling you for years. He is going to behave like an owner with a lot of money. He is not going to behave like someone who does not have, you know, any comp over the history of baseball and is willing to double up any offer to make sure he gets his man. He bid $325 million. It's a lot. He, the Dodgers got that offer and said, we will also pay that. Steve Cohen, what did he do? Did he say, I'm worth $10 trillion. How about we up this to $500 million? Push all his chips in. No, he uh, didn't get a chance to counter or do anything, and he didn't get the player. So he's someone you'd rather have as your owner than the Wilpons, but he has not changed the way baseball operates from an ownership perspective. Uh, he's more than willing to eat money to make mistakes go away. Again, you want him as your owner, but not doing the crazy thing that all that kids told me he would do a couple of years ago, and he didn't do it again this time. Well, what'd you expect? I thought 325 million was excessive. Well, we thought once this started creeping into 300 million that um, it was it was getting into uncomfortable territory. The guys never pitched in MLB. I have zero problem with paying him money that he deserves because of his previous professional track record. But there is there's a limit. Steve Cohen went as far as he felt appropriate, but he was used as a bargaining chip this entire time. I think as we have seen, let's get the caption up there. Come on. What, what hmm. are you doing, folks? No, thanks. No um, interest. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not paying attention. I'm just, I'm, I'm incensed with all the anger toward the Yankees here, but weird. Yeah, Steve Cohen was used as a bargaining chip. Yoshinobu Yamamoto was introduced to the Dodgers yesterday. Um, and he said, like, like you mentioned at the top of the episode, he was probably choosing the Dodgers no matter what. I guess there was validity to him being a childhood Dodgers fan. That was like part of the, that was part of the whole thing um, that created novelty around his free agency. I don't know what more you wanted the Yankees to do. Clearly, there was nothing else they could do except maybe go to four hundred million. Maybe that would have been the only thing. You read, we read the report from the Athletic. That's a pretty reputable source. The Yankees offered three hundred million. They offered the highest AAV of any offer. It was a 10-year deal. I think that's very fair. They offered the most money across the first five years of the deal. Also very fair. They offered the earliest opt-out of any of the offers that he got. Pretty fucking fair. He'll hit free agency at age 29. I, I, what, what more do you want? Every contract in this day and age, in free agency this day and age has different value to it. 
Remember, we were all valuing short-term high AV at one point. Then it was opt-outs. Then it's just, you know, long-term security. There's, there is, and the Yankees, I think, included all three. You got 10 years. You got an early opt-out. You got the most money possible in the first five years of the deal after never a pitching here, uh, pitching in the United States before. I don't know what more the Yankees could have done to convince him outside of, again, going to ridiculous lengths to secure a talent that is still largely unproven. Um, I, I, I'm not going to fault the Dodgers for uh, paying that money. I would have paid that money if, if it came down to it. I don't think that there is um, there's any there's necessarily any harm, but there there is a big risk here. The Yankees going 400 million or even 350 didn't seem to make sense. But people who seem to think that the Yankees not matching this offer made a difference. The Yoshinobu Yamamoto was not choosing the New York Yankees if they came back and said, you know what, we'll give you two more years and $25 million. And you go, oh, yeah, no, great. No, he had his mind made up. He had the Do- he had the Dodgers match the offer that he that he preferred. If the Dodgers, the Dodgers would have matched the Yankees offer if that was the one that he had preferred. He had his pick. He played free agency perfectly. He knew where he wanted to go. He got all the highest bidders involved. Even got some mid-market teams involved because they knew that uh, acquiring a player at his age and getting all those prime years would be uh, would be advantageous and be a really good investment for a team that can't really afford to spend that type of money excessively. So he played it perfectly. He got the team that he wanted. He got the money that he wanted. Sometimes things just don't go your way. I really don't know what else. Uh, I don't know how to talk people um, off the ledge outside of any of that. I have no idea why people are using this as a referendum on the Yankees. And it's people I usually think are rational about this stuff, but look, you're right. They did not make, they did not have the highest bid, right? And you can say that until you're blue in the face and respond to every tweet about the Dodgers by saying the Yankees didn't have the highest bid. And that's true though. They did have the highest bid in terms of AAV and they did have a $300 million bid for a player who's never played major league baseball before. And they were willing to go to heights that no one expected. Yamamoto was a player the Yankees coveted, and he was supposed to go for 175 to $200 million with a posting fee with a signing bonus. The Dodgers paid 325 mil, because that's where the bidding went, plus that signing bonus, plus the $50 million to his team. They're going to spend $425 million on Yoshinobu Yamamoto because they can, right? And they did. And that was his dream to join that franchise. The Yankees probably walked into this offseason, had a place they were comfortable going for Yamamoto. Obviously, we're serious about him, right? Scouted him extensively, went overseas, made him the focal point of their offseason. Juan Soto was a bonus. He ended up being more essential to my offseason plan than Yamamoto, but they didn't know Juan Soto. Last year, they didn't know Juan Soto was going to hit the open market. He did. They go, well, that's great. We still want to sign Yamamoto. We can sacrifice this upper-level pitching for Juan Soto. Um, I'm very, very glad we have Juan Soto. It will always be a good idea to have Juan Soto. It will be an even better idea if they have money to extend Juan Soto and a Juan Soto rant. That said, Yankees probably walked into this offseason saying, we're going to bid $175 million to 220 for Yamamoto. We would go up to 240 We would consider 260 And then all of a sudden, this stupid bidding gets up past $300 million, and there are three teams there. Didn't hear the Red Sox get mentioned, by the way. Oh, sorry, guys. Uh, feel bad for Red Sox fans who somehow watched the Yamamoto chase like a hawk, even though not even, I mean, what did they bid, like 200 No chance. Um, yeah. Sorry. Uh, but the Yankees didn't get him, right? And and they were, had a competitive bid for him, and I am shocked to hear people say that, like, it, like you said, what what do you want them to go match the 325 so that Yamamoto can also tell them no? 
just so that you could put a feather in your cap and and know that you matched the highest bid for someone who didn't want to go to you, they were going to have to go to 400 to make it even a question. The Dodgers wouldn't have done that. And then the Yankees might have gotten stuck been laughed at for doing that. Yeah, the Yankees might have gotten stuck with a pitcher who didn't want to be in New York after overbidding by $75 million to get him 400 plus the signing bonus plus the posting fee, spending $500 million. They would not have extended Juan Soto if they had signed Yoshinobu Yamamoto for $400 million. I know we're in the world of hypotheticals, but that's what it would have taken to convince him to go somewhere he didn't necessarily want to go. If the bidding was equal, he was always going to the Dodgers. The Dodgers didn't have money until Shohei Otani gave them money, and in that point, it was a wrap. We thought it might be. We were told it wasn't so that Joel Wolf could drag the negotiations. Negotiati! So he could drag the negotiations out some more. He did. He got his money from L.A., and congratulations. But Yankee fans who just, what, you want to lose by less so that the optics are better? You lost either way. Yeah. Um, and look, the all hope is not lost here. This was obviously what the Yankees wanted the, the most. And I would even give the Yankees – God, you're making me sim- – people get getting mad at the Yankees and making me sympathize with the Yankees. I know, and it's very important. If you've watched this show before, even if you haven't, we usually destroy the Yankees. We've yeah. destroyed them for Bryce yeah. Harper. We've destroyed them for numerous misses. This yeah. is like the one time we're completely aligned that like, hey, what are you supposed to do here? And they're still getting it from all sides on the internet. Yeah. I mean, it's like the Carlos Rodon thing. It's like people laughed at that deal. They thought we paid too much money, and then he just is injured and it doesn't work out in the first year. And it's like, well, what do you want them to do? Not spend and then get mad at them for spending? Or finally they spend on a luxury piece that they can afford. It doesn't work out for one year, and now you're acting as if the rest of the deal is going to suck. But I'm actually giving the Yankees a little bit more credit here because are we sure they didn't have a single inclination that Yamamoto might have preferred the Dodgers? Because I know that – is not something that would be relayed to them directly. But when you're in this world, you hear some chatter. I'm sure that there was some discussion about somebody knowing that Yamamoto might prefer LA and the Yankees still remained in this bidding until the very end. They offered the most creative deal out of any of the teams. They traveled to Japan multiple times to watch him pitch, to meet with him. So like, they did everything that they – they did more than they needed to do, in my opinion. If I had heard any chatter as an executive that uh, a player of that caliber wasn't necessarily interested in coming to my team, I probably wouldn't invest that much time, energy, and resources into it because you look at a team like the Yankees, they have a lot of roster questions to answer, um, that even – even if they had acquired Yamamoto, there was plenty of things that they would have had to have done to get back into World Series contention um, by looking at them on paper. So, yeah, I might have focused my energy out. I might have uh, worked on another blockbuster trade. I might have maybe discussed Blake Snow a little bit more heavily. Um, uh, Super Bullpen. I don't know. There, there would have been plenty of things on the table to, to um, pivot to, um, but the Yankees were confident that they could maybe make it happen. Um, and they lasted until the very end. So I think that layer of information there is actually a little bit uh, more comforting to know that the front office, even when faced with stiff competition, such as the Dodgers, such as the Mets, such as Shohei Otani going to the Dodgers and giving them another negotiation. The the Yankees out of all the teams were probably the most disadvantaged here, right? 
you talk geographically, LA has the upper hand, and then plus Otani, where I know Yamamoto said that there wasn't um, a direct causation there, but you have to think it would it helped, probably helped a little bit. Um, yeah. And then you have the Mets, who are New York market and also, in theory, have the most money to offer. So the Yankees are... The, the Yankees are somewhere in between, you know, that, that they're, they're still a prestigious franchise. They have the money. I don't think that they're, they're going to be um, uh, swimming in the, the deepest end of the pool for somebody such as Yamamoto, um, which we, which ended up being true because they did not overbid to get, uh, to get him in the end. But the fact that they did all they can, did all they could jump through all the hoops that they needed to in order to make this a, a an off season long discussion. Cause now this is, we're two months in over two months in, and this has been discussed since July, probably even before that, when mm. there was, there was talks about him getting posted. So um, I, uh, you know, they, they didn't get the job done. They get credit in my book for um, at least getting it to that point. Um, but now more work work needs to be done, and we'll we'll grade them effectively on that. But to be mad at them for missing out here, and to think that another two years and twenty five million, or even two years and fifty million, would have made a difference, um, you're you're not paying close enough attention. Yeah, I would agree, and that means it's time to talk pivot options. Uh, Yamamoto's. If you were watching his press conference at the Dodgers yesterday, it was the final nail in the coffin. Like it just gave you all the information you needed to know that that was never going to be the Yankees' choice. They might have known that as well. They absolutely might have known that. Um, and if look, I don't think they were caught completely off guard by Yamamoto's decision. The fact that they spent that last day leaking, like, hey, we had a Deki Matsui in there. Hey, we gave him his jersey. He'd keep it. Like, it was either a last ditch plea. Or just a reveal of, hey, what went down? Here you go. We're sick of hearing about this guy. Um, the pivot options, as far as I'm concerned, I, I see some commentary on Mitch Keller. I think that's interesting. Okay. So Brad, Brad Keller of the Royals, maybe? One of the Kellers? Uh, I think it was Mitch. Uh, Edward Cabrera, the the Marlins guy. I just don't like him that much. I think I think he's too erratic to be your centerpiece. I think if he falls into your lap, great. But they're going to value him. Hmm? Edward Cabrera? Yeah. Oh. Like I think they're going to value the Marlins are going to value him like an ace, like the yeah. way Dylan Cease is currently being valued and I just would not surrender what it takes to get somebody who's still largely unproven and is mostly a metric god rather than an actual on-field uh you know Cy Young candidate. So, uh in terms of guys I'm interested in, look, Corbin Burns is the ideal, but there's just no way. Uh, you know, the comments saying uh, on Twitter saying that it's heated up. I think that's mostly just Bleacher Report naming the Yankees the ideal destination for Burns. I mean, they yeah. are they are in a vacuum, but not after you depleted your funds for Juan Soto. Like you're gonna have to surrender either Jason Dominguez or Spencer Jones there, uh, and then some pitching behind him, Hampton or Warren, and then some backups. Uh, what I absolutely despise is the fact that it, it makes me feel icky all over. But Everson Pereira and Oswald Peraza are becoming Andujar and Frazier again for Yankee fans. Um, if they were desired by these teams if they were desired by teams holding these huge assets they'd already be traded because the Yankees don't need Everson Pereira and they don't need Oswald Peraza and both seem like potentially very good players but the Yankees do not need them and other teams know the Yankees do not need them and I am sick of seeing them at the front of all these trade proposals if the White Sox wanted those two guys for Dylan Cease it'd be a done deal yeah if the if the Brewers wanted those guys for Corbin Burns it'd be over but the Yankees are gonna have to surrender big names for Burns who is not getting extended, like the comments are saying, because he's another Scott Boris guy, and you are eating into your Juan Soto fund if you get him. If you could just put him in this rotation, I would absolutely do it. 
but I still feel like there's no way. And uh, they would have had to trade for either Juan Soto or Corbin Burns slash maybe Willie Adamas too. And I'm glad they have Soto because Burns is a 29 year old pitcher. Pitchers break. Juan Soto is Juan Soto. He's a mid 20 year old future Hall of Famer whose worst season was hitting 270 with 30 bombs and a 420 OBP. Give me Juan Soto. Make him want to stay here long term. Beyond that, Shane Bieber kind of feels like maybe not totally a possibility anymore because the Yankees swung a different deal with Cleveland yesterday, and it feels like they they're not going to swing two separate deals with Cleveland. Jordan Montgomery. Blake Snell, Lucas Giolito. Uh, Giolito's been durable his whole career, which sort of makes me feel like he's liable to not be durable moving forward. Sorry for being the pessimist and wet blanket, but not having a major surgery for the first five years of your career sort of screams you're about to have a major surgery to me. Uh, Cease if you add Moncada, maybe, and make the package lesson. Marcus Roman is in there. He hates us, but he loves money. And Shota Imanaga, Frankie Montas. I throw uh, I throw Jordan Montgomery in the most likely spot, given what came out today, where both John Heyman and Jim Bowden said the Yankees are trying to bring Montgomery back. Um, I've been on the record for a long time thinking it's very unlikely that Brian Cashman puts his tail between his legs and goes and gets him, but there just aren't that many innings available. And if we're still hearing it, that means he's trying. Uh, I don't think, uh, you know, for a long time, I thought it was quite unlikely that Montgomery came to the Yankees. I've assumed he would be a Red Sox. I've assumed he would be a Met. I've assumed he would be a Ranger. The Rangers don't have the money. The Mets have decided they don't want to play around in the top tier starters market after missing out on Yamamoto. An executive around the league laughed when asked if the Red Sox had the money for Montgomery. Now it seems much more likely they're going to go Teoscar Hernandez, which wouldn't have even been in the top 30 free agents I would have linked to the Red Sox at the start of the offseason, but now seems to be quite likely between them and the Angels. And uh, James Paxton coming back, best of luck to the Boston Red Sox. Um, I, I, with, with your, his wife is in Boston. His wife is in the Northeast. Her program is there. If he wants to stay in the Northeast, it's the Yankees. And so Brian Cashman might have to embarrass himself and apologize. That feels most likely. I see Bryce Miller and Brian Wu. You guys both know, I sort of believe, that those guys are being the years of control on those guys is being overvalued right now. Uh, I was intrigued by someone floating that would the Mariners want to get out of the Luis Castillo extension if they do believe in Miller and Wu and they're valuing them so highly, even though they've yet to really show uh, deliver on that potential. Uh, if Luis Castillo is available or if the Yankees get the idea that he's available, he zooms right to the top of this list for me. But right now, it feels like Montgomery and Montas is the most likely outcome. Uh, and I only say that because the other Montgomery competitors are falling off the face of the earth. Yeah. We shall see. Yeah, I um, I, I'm now falling into the Bieber, um, Imanaga kind of bucket here. I think you, I, I know you're right. It doesn't make any sense for them to make another trade with the Guardians, I guess. But um, with all the players that they have in trade talks right now, Josh Naylor has been mentioned. Emmanuel Class A has been mentioned. Um, Bieber, obviously, another one. Uh, there's probably room to make another deal, an expanded deal. And um, I know the Yankees at least needed to um, clear a 40-man spot before making, you know, maybe an, maybe another move elsewhere. So that might have just been a precautionary move to, to get the roster space before they did anything else. Um, I, I don't see Montgomery returning. I really don't. Um, Oh well, why is Imanaga a bum? I, I I'm I'm in here for rotation length. 
that that's what we need. If we if we can get a guy in the back end who's going to eat innings and has a, a good um, yeah at the right price, I don't think he's going to cost that much. It's the 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 expenditure was not projected to be that large, um, and that leads me into my next point. If you're not going to spend big now, you can get you get him Imanaga for a decent price. You maybe trade for Bieber. Maybe you do a package deal for Class A. I don't know what that costs you. Um, I, I'm out to to. And I'm out on Cease. I'm out on Giolito. I'm out on Strowman. I'm really mad at Cease. Cease is really bumming me out. Cease has been, um, Cease is overvalued, uh, fairly inconsistent pitcher. Um, I know he's young. I know he has ace caliber potential, um, but it's just not something you're going to get to the front of the line with teams like the Dodgers and Braves and um, Cardinals are all in on here. Like, you don't need to get in these bit trade bidding wars. You try to find somebody who's a little bit undervalued in in that sense, unless it's someone like Juan Soto, where the Yankees were of the few teams that could put put a package together. Um, now, why do I say Bieber and Imanaga? Because Bieber's only signed for one more year. If he's bad this year, he's gone. Imanaga, I think worst case scenario, he's a spot starter, multi-inning reliever, which I think will be fine for the money that he signs for. If again, if that's a worst case scenario, if not back end of the rotation, great piece to have. Um, Sue me now, but go into the season with what you have. You have a much better offense at this point based on the few additions you've made. So under the assumption that this offense can now score runs, I think you save your bullets for the trade deadline. You see what the deal with Burns is uh, when you get to that point. Um, maybe you see if anybody else hits the market. Clearly, the Yankees don't want to spend on Blake Snell. I don't know why, but they don't. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Heyman um, today said they did their homework in one interview and then in another said Montgomery is their preference and they're not that into Blake Snell at this point. So okay. it sounds like they looked at him and decided no thanks. So it's not like they're ignoring him, but yeah. they're, they're saying no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, it, it makes sense. If they don't like him, they don't like him. But I'm not just going to sit here and spend money just to spend money uh, just to get, you know, get a desired target so people shut up. Um you look at the situation right now. It's not the best in the world. You have Cole. I think Cole is Cole is Cole. Cole's an ace, and um, he's going to lead the front of the rotation, and it's going to be pretty good uh, for the Yankees. Coming off a Cy Young season, we can have confidence in that. Um, then you have Carlos Rodon. I know there is a very big question mark with him. He needs to bounce back, but should he bounce back, he has ace-like potential. He could be a 1A. 
and even if he's not fully bounced back, I think we can all agree that he's probably not going to endure a year like he did this past season. Um, just if we were to have an educated guess on it, I'd say at worst, he's going to be number four um, based on his consistency and um, and ability to deliver. Uh, I don't think we're going to experience another awful, awful campaign where he's not delivering and he's not available. Um, then you have Nestor Cortez. I know there are question marks there, um, but he's been very good over the last year and a half of work that he's done. Um, and he is progressing in his offseason rehab. So plus um, you got Clark Schmidt. Clark Schmidt had a really good year. He, uh, he definitely had ebbs and flows, but first full year as a starter, overall success. Yes, we have the innings concern. Yes, we have the workload concern, but starting off the season, all we need to do is get through the first couple months, see what we're working with. Um, and then we have the potential return of Frankie Montas. I know people don't like that, but the if market is apparently everything I've been told is that the market for Montas is hot, which like, I don't want to outbid anybody for Frankie Montas, yeah. No, but I, yeah, he, he, he worked with the Yankees young pitchers apparently all summer long when he was rehabbing the Yankees seemed comfortable with him. The fact that he hasn't signed yet, if the market is hot, makes me think he'd rather sign with the Yankees for one year than another team for two. Um, but I guess I, I am waiting for a Montas bomb to drop that just says some team signed him for two years, 28 or whatever. Yeah. And then you roll your eyes and you're like, absolutely not. Yeah, no, I'm not doing that. I'm doing maybe a one year with an option, if anything. And I just, I, we can't even really talk about Trevor Bauer. Cause if you mention his name on a podcast, his litigation team will find you. But I will just say that I don't want to sign a 33 year old with baggage who, is aging and wasn't even that dominant in the Japanese league last year. So I understand. I understand that some players on some teams were in the past, not friends. And I understand that teams with players who aren't friends have won the world series, but I have no interest in, in that. Yeah. Do you want, I mean, do you want the media tracking Trevor Bowers every move when he's in New York? I'm just not asking even a little you. bit, not even a little bit. Think about how unpleasant it's been. Think about how unpleasant it's been to have players in the past who didn't perform and were connected Bauer, uh, you know, believe anyone can believe what they want to believe. There's still several unresolved cases surrounding Bauer's name and the evidence around the one that was settled. Um, I, I'm not even commenting on that. There are so many more unresolved things. Um, so just, yeah, less than no interest. If some team signs them, I would understand why they did it, but no interest. Yeah, and again, that would be a one-year deal. Trevor Bauer is not coming back into MLB on a multi-year deal. Um, and he's going to be finding his footing this year. Like, a, yeah. a ready-to-win team should not take that chance this year. Correct. Um, that would be a that would be akin to a Carlos Rodon situation where he spent, you know, all the year trying the whole year trying to find himself. Do you want another one of those years? And this time it's obvious. Trevor Bauer has not had the workload that he's been used to because of the suspension and um and uh playing overseas. Carlos Rodon, we 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 saw this coming in the event of an injury, and that's what happened. This is more spelled out. This the 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 the, the obstacles are there. They, they exist. Carlos Rodon's didn't exist until he got hurt. So I don't think we want that. I think you're better off trading for so for one year of a Beaver um, or signing an Imanaga and then being able to uh, put him or Frankie Montas in the bullpen, depending on how they perform. But I think at this point, there is no issue rolling with Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, Nestor Cortez as your one, two, three in, in, in the season, and then seeing what you can do with the trade deadline. This is not a disastrous rotation. The Yankees are also 
said to be confident in um, uh, Will Warren and uh, what's his name, Chase Hampton, to yeah. to log innings this year. I'm not saying that's a solution. I'm saying that they clearly have the depth and the confidence in that depth. And yeah. again, there's a narrative sort of brewing in the comments though that are like they oh Warren better be good because they held on to him. I mean, they held on to him because the Padres wanted King and Thorpe. It's not like they made Warren off limits in that trade. The Padres just like those targets and they grabbed them and Warren is the best arm left or Hampton is. They're both very well thought of, but yeah. uh, the Yankees had, traded from a position of strength when they made the soda trade. It's no longer a position of strength. They have just enough, but they do not have an overflow of, of talented starting depth in the upper minors. Yeah, but I and the I like when this is the one thing they can do. They're confident in these guys who can come fill innings. They're confident in these guys who can maybe work out of the bullpen and transition into the rotation. It's largely worked. Um, realistic moves. Who's asking? Fernando's getting a getting a yeah, Fernando's antsy. getting antsy. We, we try to get you realistic moves. All right. Uh, what's realistic? What realistic at this point is um, is signing Frankie Montas. Is uh, signing Imanaga. Is Signing Lucas G. I would take Lucas Giolito in the back end of the rotation. Um, you just uh, set the comments on fire. Those boys hate him. They hate Giolito. Yeah, they hate him. Okay, why do we hate Giolito? Okay, we're not getting an ace, guys. It's not. It, there's there's no other options left unless if the Yankees are out on Snell, they're out on Snell. Um, that and that's we can we can consider that not happening. I would tolerate Giolito well, for sure. We need innings eaten at the back end of the rotation. Yeah. Also, don't forget that last year when he struggled with the gopher ball, he was going through a divorce. Like I hate uh, bringing people's personal life into things, but it's just, you know, imagine, imagine being a pitcher trying to get your next contract. And you're also going through that. That is brutal. Yeah. Um, and that is real. Uh, and Giolito, look if the projections early in the offseason that had him at like four years, $80 million or where he's still looking, I would, I would not do that. Correct. But, uh, if you can get him for two years, I, I would certainly consider it. He just needs to be the Yankees number four and he needs to be there. I will also just point out that Luis Castillo's extension is so reasonable. It's through 2027. There's a vesting option. At the They're end. not giving that up. It's 108 million for that duration. Yeah. If if you can't swallow that and you're the Mariners, then you don't intend to compete at all. Yeah. Um, they signed Mitch Garver. If you think you're going to sign Mitch Garver and then trade uh, this Castillo deal, like I don't know where you're allocating your funds, but if you could sneak in there and do it, uh, that would be. I don't think it would count as a realistic, but if it happened, I would uh, raise the roof and just, that would be my obvious number one yeah. most enjoyable option. Yeah, that would be. That would be fucking awesome. Uh, the Mariners made that deal knowing that they got below market value for Luis Castillo. If they're going to give up on him now, the haul that that's going to take, given that he signed for what, five more years, is going to be a lot. Probably. Um, so, yeah, say goodbye to the upper levels of the minors, uh, the minor leagues in, in, in most facets at that point. I have no problem doing that trade. Imagine what? just spending a hundred million dollars on Luis Castillo and, and three hundred twenty-five million on Yamamoto. Like, oh, yeah, golly. yeah, um, I, yeah. I I just don't think that that's. I don't think that's really. If it happens, I'm celebrating all day. Yeah, I just it's it, the the Mariners know the price that they got on Luis Castillo. Now they know they could build a rotation with those other younger guys and not really have to worry about that part of the roster, barring you know major injuries. But yeah, I mean, look, I at this point am looking at. Moves that are going to help the rotation survive until the trade deadline. And then more players are always available because teams fall out of contention. Teams, um, windows of contention kind of change. Um, and then front offices 
uh, reevaluate and put guys on the market that you would never expect, as we've seen for the past however many years. The trade deadline has literally turned the baseball world upside down more times than not over the last decade. Um, so, yeah, I am totally content with adding one more pitcher here, weathering out the storm to see how this works. Maybe add, you know, like I said, if you can add Bieber slash Giolito plus Imanaga, I think you can give yourself a six-man rotation and give like Nestor and Rodon and Clark Schmidt the necessary days off that they might need, you know, with workload um, and, uh, I'm sorry, and, and Montas um, with workload and injury issues. So um, I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's crazy. And then you assess yourself at the trade deadline. And again, none of these other acquisitions are going to cost you anything because Bieber is a rental. Giolito, I think would be for one year. He needs a bounce back year to earn the contract that he wants. Um, Imanaga is someone who can float in between the back end of the rotation and the bullpen. And Montas, I don't think is getting more than one year because he hasn't pitched in a year and a half. So I think th that's your best way to go about it. And then like, if some of them don't work out great, you let them go or you trade them and then you can, and then you could figure out your next steps after that. And then this also gives you more of an avenue to integrate the younger arms that they're very much confident in. And I have no problem with that. Again, if the offense is, if the offense is, I'm not even going to be greedy here. If the offense is top 12, they don't have to worry about the starting rotation beginning on opening day. They'll need to worry about the rotation come August when they have to start preparing for the playoffs a little bit more. But right now, I don't think those assets are available to you um, unless you want to go out and do an expanded deal for Bieber. Um, I don't think Dylan Cease is the answer um, for as much as you have to give up and how erratic he's been. So, yeah, realistic, that's where I'm landing. I think the price of Bieber is going to be temptingly low. That's why I'm surprised that they went out and got Cody Morris before even really spinning that off into a larger deal. They could revisit it, but as of now, we just have one Guardians pitcher, starter, reliever hybrid coming our way in exchange for Esteban Floreal. Now, uh, you want to kill the Yankees over uh, Floreal's value being diminished? I think we can do that. I think it's fair to do that. Uh, but this is a funny one where... Uh, the, the damage had already been done, right? You could have traded Floreal in the summer of 2018 or the summer of 2019 as a potential centerpiece of a haul. As he went through the minors, he did not patch up the holes in his swing. Still too much swing and miss. Still not enough walks. Had the best year of his career last year at AAA. But important to note, that came after the Yankees DFA'd him, after they removed him from the 40-man roster, after they exposed him to waivers, and no other major league team bit. Anybody could have had Floreal last winter for nothing. Not peanuts, not even peanuts. No Literally peanuts, nothing. nothing, no things. Instead, he went back to the Yankees, had the year of his life at AAA. The Yankees still didn't believe in him, uh, believed in Everson Pereira more than they believed in him, believed in Dominguez more than they believed in him, believed in Billy McKinney and Willie Calhoun more than they believed in him. Added outfielders this year, uh, added Soto, added Verdugo, even added a backup in Trent Grisham. There was no room for Floreal. So the fact that the return for Floreal is swingman Cody Morris and likely reliever Cody Morris and new entrant into the Matt Blake pitching lab Cody Morris, somewhat disappointing based on what we knew Floreal's pedigree to be, but incredibly inspiring based on the way the Yankees watched Floreal's value tank under their watch 
for two to three years. It's kind of amazing they were able to get someone in Morris who made five starts in the bigs in 2022 in 23 and two-thirds innings, posted a 2.28 ERA and struck out 23. The whip was high, probably would have regressed over a full season, but still uh, mowed down the Yankees for two innings in the 2022 ALDS, something that I fully did not know until the clip resurfaced. That was game four, the Garrett Cole game. He handled some of the late innings. And last year, after returning from injury, 33 and two-thirds innings, just 20 hits allowed at AAA, 40 Ks, 3.74 ERA in Columbus, was even better in his couple outings in AA Akron. A lot of control options on Morris. Am I going to sit here and say, Cody Morris, bar none, will be the difference maker in 2024? Absolutely not, but has uh, it's much easier to envision a path to significant playing time for him than it was for Floreal. So an odd instance where you should you should be mad at the Yankees for tanking Floreal's value again and for not believing in him. And maybe, hopefully, he has a good season in Cleveland. I think we're all rooting for him, and Cleveland has needed outfield power for 15 years. But the Yankees devalued their asset, built that value back up after the rest of baseball, let them keep the player, and then actually traded him for something of relatively relatively, we're talking about a small trade, but relatively significant significant value based on where his value was at the start of last season. I'm into it, but I am still mad at them for 2018 and 19. People don't forget. Thomas, your internet died. It, it quite frankly died. And I had no idea because you're making such a stoic face. Um, Wow, that was I was surprised. I can't believe I got fooled by a frozen internet screen. I don't know if I've ever been fooled by that before. Um, I'm gonna hit Thomas up, get him back. Until then, I'll start screaming. Um, but I still everything I said still holds true. I, I believe in Cody Morris. I think that there's value there, and I think that getting him for a player that the Yankees basically stood on a rooftop and said, We don't like you is impressive. Uh, Thomas's internet just went out. He's going to let me know when he comes back. Uh, not his fault, but if we have to wrap the show early a little bit today, we will. Yeah, Thomas. Uh, Thomas's internet rounding second like Giancarlo Stanton trying to leg out uh, a first to third on a ground ball single to right field. Just not going to happen. Pooped. Um, show of hands in the comments. Like, did you think Thomas was frozen there? Or did, you, did you just think he was looking cool? Because I just thought he was kind of looking swaggy. Uh, but he was actually frozen. Either way, uh, if anybody's not rooting for, like, is anybody not rooting for Esteban Florial to look good? Like, I don't know. I guess it would theoretically, um, the Yankees are lucky here because if they let him go last year and then he had that season at AAA somewhere else and then got a big league chance somewhere else, they would look foolish. But in this case, they go ahead, they go out, they fulfill their outfield need times 10. Juan Soto, the best possible option. Alex Verdugo, we were haters on this podcast and we need to be proven, uh, you know, look us in the eye and prove to us that you can do it. But he does bring tenacity. This team lacked last year and he could have a good contract year. He could also be terrible. He could also be terrible. But they went out and got Alex Verdugo, who is someone I don't have much faith in, but I have more faith in him than Esteban Floreal. And Trent Grisham, same. He's done it before. He doesn't hit over 200 the last two years, but he's been worth a couple war and he's not a starter. So give me these proven major leaguers over Esteban Floreal, and I will be rooting for Esteban Floreal to do well in Cleveland. I will. I will. You don't have to. You can you can root for the Yankees to look smart in, in failing to let that guy on. Uh, but, yeah, I, I personally 
will be uh, rooting for the man's success. I'm trying to get in contact with Thomas, who is sending me just a string of expletives right now because his internet went down. I mean, Roberto, uh, you're not far off in the comments. It's kind of what's kind of what I'm getting. It's kind of what's happening. Um, but I'll, I'll let him share his opinion on the floor. Spoiler alert. I don't think we differ that much on the Florial trade, but while he's gone, I will talk about Isaiah kinder Falefa a little bit because uh, two years and $15 million to the Toronto Blue Jays. This is another one where I just don't understand where Yankees Twitter is coming from. Sometimes I think most people realize that Isaiah kinder Falefa in theory, good player to have on a championship team. You want a, a guy who can smack the ball around, get you a well-timed single and, and cover multiple positions. And I, I don't have a problem with the Toronto Blue Jays signing him. I'm not like fearful of an Isaiah Kiner Falefa renaissance or resurgence in Toronto. Is there a chance he gets a big hit against the Yankees at some point? Sure. But why are we acting like the Yankees uh, in need of more contact bats, got rid of the only man who could possibly do the job guys. He, he couldn't handle being a starting shortstop in New York, and I felt really bad for him. And the people who chased him through the parking lot during the playoffs, right, to boo him on his way to his car, those people should be ashamed of themselves. That's embarrassing. But Isaiah Kiner-Falefa was not a starting caliber player for the New York Yankees over a two-year period. Struggled defensively at shortstop, even though Aaron Boone tried to defend him. Knocked in 48 runs that year, hit 261, 314 OBP, 642 OPS, 84 OPS plus. No power. And for a guy who who you're saying, we need average, what happened to batting average? 261, does that help you that much? Last year, he plays fewer games. He plays the outfield because they make him. He steals 14 bags. He only walks 28 times the whole year. He never walks. He almost never struck out, and that's great. But he hit 242 last year. He had the same OPS, basically, 646. It was worse relative to league average. OPS plus was just 78. He was, he was quite bad last year. Thomas Carinante is back for the time being. I, I'm just ranting about IKF and basically. I will never at, retire. Where we're at right now is that he he was a contact bat that didn't hit for contact last year. And if you're talking about Frankie Montas being a bad investment at $10 million, then what is Isaiah Kiner Falefa at $7.5 million a year? A two-year pact for that. I enjoyed my time with him. But the Yankees can and should do better. And if your contact bat that you can't live without hits 240, then that's just not somebody who is a difference maker. Agreed. Um, I thought this move by the Blue Jays. First of all, the Blue Jays are downgrading. I don't know if you mentioned that. Sorry, guys. Uh, Verizon really uh, stuck it to me right there. Don't know what happened. Um, you'll never get rid of me. Just uh, just just remember that. Um, I, uh, they are letting Whit Merrifield go and replacing him with IKF. Was that a topic of discussion? I don't know why they thought that was, that was the right move. Um, Whit Merrifield is the better defender, um, especially cause he can actually play outfield and IKF cannot. Um, he's the better hitter. He's the better base dealer. So this was a downgrade for Toronto. Um, but most importantly, it just saved the Yankees from making the mistake of re-signing IKF, which apparently was part of the plan earlier in the offseason. There were rumors that um, IKF and Wandy Peralta were still among the, uh, you know, atop the Yankees wish list. Um, and I'm really glad they didn't bite on that price because they could spend that seven and a half million or whatever on pitching. And like the um, comments were mentioning before, we have good bench players in Peraza. I um, I still think Oswaldo Cabrera can be something. Maybe you guys disagree, but his uh, his showing at the end of the 2022 season um, was impressive to me. And 
as we saw last year, the entire team was plagued with whatever was going on um, between injuries, between uh, underperforming offensively, between a terrible approach, coaching turnover, first you know midseason dismissal in 25 years. A lot of things were affecting the entire vibe of the team. So I'm still confident in some of these younger players to turn the corner. Um, and IKF was just an asset we never needed. Um, uh, and it's no shade to him. I really do appreciate him uh, rolling with the punches here. It was very difficult. Uh, he was brought in uh, in that Josh Donaldson trade with completely unfair expectations to be the starting shortstop of the New York Yankees. The guy had one season of playing shortstop and the rest of his career being a utility player. Like terrible way to bring him, bring him into the biggest stage in baseball. And then not only that 2023, they said, you know what? We got our shortstop. It's Anthony Volpe. IKF, you're going right to that utility role where you very much so thrive. And what do they do? They play him at two fucking positions. He's never played before. He's never played the outfield professionally in his life. And they were playing him in center field and left field last year. And that undoubtedly affected his overall performance, whether it was defense, the bat, everything. So um, two-pronged two problem here. The Yankees overvalued him themselves, made that mistake. Um, he was put in a bad position. And also, he's just not he, – he's a, he's a barely average baseball player, right-handed hitter, not contact enough for what this Yankees on him. Again, He's a contact bat. Sure, he was he was mixed into a lineup with underperforming hitters, so his contact wasn't able to shine, rendering him useless. So maybe he succeeds in Toronto. I don't know. For what the Yankees have at this moment and what they've seen out of IKF, that move did not need to be made on, on their end. Um, I hope IKF is better utilized with his new team. Um, I hope he thrives and the rest of the Blue Jays are terrible. That's my yeah. take. I hope uh, IKF drags the Blue Jays to within one game of a playoff spot and Vlad Guerrero Jr. fails right at the horn. Um, yes. We we liked IKF. We yeah. did. But he's like the last guy on the roster, and he played like the last guy on the roster, and he's being paid $15 million for two years now to go to Toronto and, and fill significant gaps. Maybe they won't play him in the outfield. Maybe they won't mess with him like we did. But still, that's a move you cannot make and, and just not worth it and until everyone's payroll is $400 million. The Yankees just can't afford to do something like that, but best of luck to IKF moving forward for sure. And not something, uh, not something I'm sweating at this point in time. I guess we'll see what happens moving forward, but with, with, with Merrifield, I do believe slightly better player, not as not a, not an all-star the way he was last year, but no. better player. Yeah. Um, we will, uh, we'll see everybody right back here next week. Probably going to have to wait till Thursday. Yeah. Probably, uh, I would suspect uh, it's a big week for us, but that gives us a full week to hopefully absorb some more moves, uh, bring new Yankees in, get them on board. They have to, you know, the spring training is in a month and a half. Like it's not, not that far away. You gotta, you gotta get more pitchers. You just do, whether it's Frankie Montas or whether it's uh Jordan Montgomery or whether it's a completely out of nowhere surprise trade for a co-ace uh, we shall see. But those guys are going to have to arrive soon. The market's going to have to speed up. Scott Boris is controlling both Montgomery and Blake Snell's market right now. That stinks after we've wasted so much time yep. waiting for Yamamoto's decision that appears to have been made 
sometime in the summer, meaning we're also after we waited for Shohei Otani's decision to open up the floodgates. None of the floodgates have been open. They just simply refuse to open. Uh, yeah, I do remember the promise. You'll see Biscuit next year, just not today. He's being a, a he's being a little loud punk. Uh, I don't know if any dog owners have ever tried bully sticks, but I was told it would keep him occupied for like hours. And yesterday he ate half of one in an hour and lost a tooth. Um, so what? I will bring, oh, yeah, is he a baby teeth still? He lost a baby tooth. He had to lose it, but still it was like, it was pretty jarring being like, okay, so I was told you were just supposed to chew on that. Instead, you fully ate it and your tooth is on the ground. So congratulations to biscuit. Um, yeah, I see the, the biscuit will get more screen time. He's, he's, he's coming up from zero to, to screen time. It'll be much easier to get him screen time in the new, uh, back when I'm in the apartment, by the way, too, right now he's, we're in a, we're in a house. He's roaming the countryside freely. We're in an apartment. I'm going to need to stop the yapping. So I'll put him on my lap. You guys will see more Biscuit. Um, that is a new year. will hopefully bring more Biscuit and more pitching for the New York Yankees. We'd love to talk about it next Thursday instead of just speculating. 2 o'clock Eastern. Uh, I'm Adam Weiner. Thomas Carinante. Uh, where can the people find you when you are not doing a podcast? Oh, hit me up at Tommy's underscore takes on Twitter. It'll always be Twitter. Don't you forget it. Um, head on over to Twitter as well. Um, we are at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Uh, what else? YanksGoYard.com. Pretty good website. We run it. We're in charge. Um, if you like hearing us, you'll probably like reading us. Uh, we're a little bit more dialed back. Um, and we have a lot of good topics to write about. We're covering everything Yankees, everything MLB that relates to the Yankees, and we're having a good time. So, um, I, I already have a dog guys. I have a, um, a plot hound pit bull mix. She's very nice. Um, very lazy. Um, maybe we'll see Lucy more in the new year. That's her name. Um, but yeah, head on over to yanksgoyard.com. Uh, leave us that review on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, wherever, please. Uh, we appreciate the support, uh, the readership, um, the community, all that you guys bring. We're having a good time. Um, yeah. And this is the last podcast of 2023. Can you believe that? Um, so we'll see you on the other side of the new year, folks. Um, maybe send us a wish list of what you want. What more do you want? What less, what, what, what do you want less from us? I don't know. We're here to cater to you guys. So, uh, let's get some constructive criticism and have some fun. All right. All right. Sounds good to me. Uh, for all we've done in 2023 and all we will do in 2024, shout out to everybody for joining us. Shout out to the dogs, both canines and commenters. Y'all are dogs too. Uh, we will see you in 2024. Take care, everybody. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E, 2-0.